0: Thank you for downloading this week's episode. You can support us at Flyers Alley every time you shop for fan gear and collectibles at Fanatics. Just visit www.oldcitysports.com and click on the Fanatics logo. Then shop as planned as we'll get commission on your sale. That will help us a ton. Next time you're going to shop at Fanatics, just visit www.oldcitysports.com and support our podcast. Thanks a lot, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Flyers Alley's Midweek Edition. I am your host, Jesse Bell, along with me, bi-weekly, Anthony Verasso. Anthony, how you doing?
1: What's going on, buddy? Fresh as lettuce, as the kids like to say. How are we doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, we have
0: a special guest in the house tonight, former owner and beloved owner of the Philadelphia Flyers' Lin- daughter, Lindy Snyder. How are you doing, Lindy?
2: I'm very well. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming in. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Me and you have been in contact for a little bit. Yeah. Um. Thank you so much for coming in. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm excited to be here, and I sort of apologize for being hard to get a hold of, but it's uh, been—I've definitely wanted to be on your show here. I think this is great. I like your opening, by the way, too.
0: I was—I was wondering how you were going to feel about that, but I figured you would like it with you know the Zach McEwen and you know. Kind of the kind of the the '80s montage type thing. I'm I'm yeah. in love with the '80s. Oh, so. I loved it.
2: I have to tell you the fight clips though. I like the best.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's great because that's something that we we take very seriously here in Flyers Alley. So yeah, um, yeah, and, and that that can, that literally leads right into. I have so many questions for you. I know Anthony has so many questions for you, and the gracious host. And I am Anthony. I will let you go first. All
1: okay. right. Well, Lindy, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming on the show here. Uh, So my first question to you is, why did your dad, Ed Schneider, decide Philadelphia would be the place to be to bring a hockey team in 1967?
2: Well, I mean, we were already living here, as you know, and we had um, come from Washington, D.C. when he came to work with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, So um, I think it was 1964, Uh, We had come. And at that point, he was the vice president and treasurer of the Eagles under Jerry Wallman. And during that time, toward the latter part, he he had been, he went to a hockey game. He was taken to a hockey game and he fell absolutely madly in love with the sport. Um, It just captivated him. Um, And then when it became apparent that the league was going to have their first expansion, he became sort of obsessed about the idea of bringing a a team to Philadelphia. Uh, We lived here, um, so our life was here. But he really felt that Philadelphia would be an unbelievable hockey town, despite the fact that it sort of had a sketchy history for hockey. But what he saw in terms of pro hockey, he thought was just so compelling that, that it would catch on in Philly at some point.
1: Yeah.
0: Kind of, it kind of leads into. to uh, I wanted to just hear, and that, that that's that's great intro, Anthony. I gotta give you that. Um, into just where it all like, what was it like gro- growing up, like in, in the Flyers organization? Like, uh, first off, the Spectrum, I have a, I have a chair from the Spectrum right over there. Oh. I was in there a couple times, I saw some fandoms games. Uh, I don't know if you're probably familiar with Frank Bialowis, I saw him do what he does best, you know, for the first time when I was probably like eight. And fell in love completely with the sport, um, and then going into what was it the Wells? It's the Wells Fargo Center now, but it was called the, what, what was it the First State Spectrum at first,
2: first Union First yeah. Union
0: Center. Um, what yeah. was it like just being involved? Like I, I, obviously you were you're, you're the daughter of of Ed Snyder, just going back with the players, and I mean, what, what was that like?
2: Well, I mean, as a when I was really little, you know, and this and it was still the Spectrum. Um, we pretty much grew up there. I have to say it was very much fun and my parents, you know, my mom was very involved and here they had this new business and they were building it. Uh, So my mother was extremely involved as well and they would bring us uh, to the games early on. I mean, I think I was seven years old, eight years old going to games uh, on school nights (laughs) and we would go down there and have dinner and do our homework uh before the games started so we would go down pretty early right after school and um and then we would play under the stands my sister and i would you know that when you do a changeover from basketball you in, in to hockey you bring all the seats that are actually on the floor and they'd be stacked in these just rows, upon rows, upon rows underneath the stands. And every time there was a changeover where you went from basketball to hockey, the way they were stacked was different, but it was like a maze, because they stacked these rows of chairs so that you could walk down between the rows of these stacked chairs. And so it literally was like, you know, you think of a corn maze, that kind of thing. Well, underneath the stands in the spectrum was basically a maze of these stacked chairs. And we would play hide and seek in there. And that was sort of what was like our playground. And they they had cats, you know, to keep the mouse population down. And of course, you know, my sister and I felt sorry for the cats. So we fed the cats. And when they would constantly yell at us for feeding the cats because they were there to catch the mice. (laughs) But we fed the cats anyway. So and then my brothers, they would finish their dinner and homework and they would play like street hockey in the hallways under the stands. And so we were always playing hockey and there would be guards down there. And sometimes, you know, they would act as a goalie for five minutes. And we grew up getting to know everybody that worked in that building from, you know, the guards to, you know, all the security to the people who who cleaned the arena and to the people that worked in the concessions and and they were our family. And what's so incredible is that many of the people that worked there were from the South Philly area. You often would have security guards whose wives, you know, worked in one of the food concession stands and then their kids would come to work in the building. So when we talk about the spectrum and the flyers being a family, it, it truly was and, and to a great degree is that there are people I can see in the current building that I've known my entire life. Um, and we got to know the players. I I, I thought of the players were my uncles. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, so it was it was a magical way to grow up, but we didn't know any different, you know. We, we really didn't know how different it was because I never remember not going to the building or doing my homework there or, and so it was a wonderful place to be and it was very warm and, and it just, it felt like home really.
0: It brings a whole nother meeting to bring your, uh, bring your kid to work. You know, when my, when so, my dad brought me to work, it was on a roof. I was <laughs> eight years old. Yeah, you know, you're at the yeah, you know, spectrum living it up. I'm on the roof. That's a, that's that's great though. I mean that, that does and that's a whole that will be a, a little bit uh, of a topic that we'll talk about later about the culture and such, it being a big family and such. But I'll yeah. pass it over to you, Anthony. Would you uh
1: you got So else? So Wendy, I heard I don't know if it's a myth or a story. I don't know where I read it. Something about how the flyer logo Came to be, and what it means, and how the name Philadelphia Flyers became, is the story right? Where it was something on a plane, and your dad just had one of you kids draw it out, or something like that. Like it—it's it, a story I read a long time ago, and I figured, hey, why not ask you now?
2: Close. Uh, it wasn't one of the kids. It was actually my dad's sister, my aunt, and she was a very good artist, and you know she painted. Um, but his, he had one sibling, which is his older sister, Phyllis. And I am not sure where they were, whether they were on a plane or a restaurant. But when they were, there was a contest uh, to name the team. And I do believe someone won that contest for the name. And so when they were trying to ascertain the logo, she drew basically a P with a wing. And that that came from my aunt Phyllis, and that, that did become our logo. His sister, his sister drew it, I think, on a napkin or something initially, and then cleaned it up. And yeah, it, it, as you can see, a lot of people nowadays don't realize it's a P, You know, that that's what it was, with a wing. And you know, it a very, it's a very—it's so iconic. You know, I think we're one of the only teams that have never really altered our logo, which I think is so amazing.
1: Yeah, I was funny. never going to say that. Like I, it's it's never really changed. Never, never changed it. It's it's my it's honestly and it's not even because it's my favorite team, but it's like my favorite logo in all of sports. It's just that, like you said, it's an iconic P with the wings and the orange puck in the middle. Like I just love it.
2: I do too. It's funny because you know how, you know, over the years they'll modernize a font, you know, for a company. They'll they'll change things, you know, to look more current. And you know there was a period of time i think through the late 80s 90s where maybe the logo was they contemplated making some changes or streamlining it or whatever but as you notice everything that's sort of vintage comes back um so it became very current again and i think what it really shows is that it's just a classic you know it doesn't need to be messed with you
1: know yeah, I just Roll. wrote that down. <laughs>
0: yeah, the Cooperalls just came back. What's that? The Cooperalls just came back.
2: Isn't that unbelievable?
0: I would love. I would. I would wear the whole thing on a constant basis. I. I, I love it. Those I love are the, the greatest.
2: We were the first. The first. I don't know, but those. Those are the greatest.
0: They. They said. I forget where I heard it. Uh, I think it was Jason Mertitas said it today on his uh, Flyers Daily that uh, the reason why they got rid of them using them when they played. Was because they were so slick when they fell, they couldn't get up. <laughs> <laughs> like when they would slide, they would slide down the whole ice and wouldn't be able to stop. So they that's why they got rid of them. But now they the practice attire. So,
2: you know, it's funny. I my memory is vaguely that the league said no. You know, they weren't standard or something, right? Um, so I, I thought that that was a league decision. I don't think that we wanted to get rid of them, to my recollection. But I, you know, I'd have to ask my brother Jay; he'd remember. Better than I would.
0: I think he had said that there was only like a, I think maybe even two teams that actually even, even wore
1: them.
2: Yeah,
0: I, I thought
1: they were amazing. I think the Whalers might have been the other one.
2: Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, they weren't widely adopted um, before they disappeared. That's true. Um,
0: I'm, I'm a big fan of them i'm a big fan of retro everything Every, everything is yeah. better back then anyway now things are things are complicated now i don't if you complicate it's
2: complicated. You
0: complicated
2: that's right
0: um i do i do have to ask um we we used to my i own our network old city sports network and uh we used to be sponsored by uh body check wellness uh you and riley cote are, are pretty tight can you can you explain that that little partnership or you guys are pretty tight right, right.
2: Yeah, well, um, you know, I became very involved in the cannabis industry early on when it was still a bit taboo, Um, and nobody was talking about it if they were involved in it, because it wasn't legal in many states, or at least even for medical, it was still pretty rare. And um, I became a firm believer in it uh, for a number of reasons, you know primarily for for health reasons. and eventually, uh, Riley and I got into contact because he was very early into it, uh, looking at alternative medicine for injury or illness or what have you. And so we connected around that. And then he introduced me. I I, I don't know if you remember when Rick McLeish died. Yeah okay. So Rick, like many players who leave the sport, you know, had some trouble, you know, thriving after his career in sports. But, um, you know, there's a lot of players in all sports, football and, you know, hockey and basketball. Once they leave the sport, they they often have sort of a, a tough time launching into life because you start playing sports very young you know, you give up a lot of other stuff. Sometimes you give up a big chunk of your education and you're not really trained sort of to go out into the world after a career in pro sports. But there were players, you know, in multiple sports that I knew of who had died as a result of substance abuse of some sort or alcoholism, liver failure. But that those abuses occurred primarily because either they had sustained an injury while playing and had some intractable pain, and eventually became um, addicted to some substance. And there's a lot of guys that got addicted because they they were they had a loss of identity when when they left the sport, which leads to depression, and and thus abuse. And I felt very strongly that we teams were not doing enough to address what happened to players when they left the sport to set them up for life. They, They give so much and what they've done, not only for their team and their colleagues and for the city itself, a lot of these guys are just like, thanks, bye. And I didn't think that was adequate. And, uh, right around the time my dad died, um, I really became convinced we needed to start an organization that combined all sports, all pro sports, because they all suffered from a lot of the same issues, these that I've just mentioned. And Riley knew about a guy in Colorado, a guy named Ryan Kingsbury, that was starting an organization identically to what I was describing, and I was starting one here. And so what we ended up doing because O'Reilly is joining forces. And we, we founded something called Athletes for Care, um, which is intended to be run by athletes for athletes um, for a couple reasons. One, to advocate for the use of cannabis during your pro sports career. Um, so that it would be an alternative to like heavy duty pain meds um, that a lot of these guys were getting hooked on. And then also to help them find a path and meaning in, in their life after sports. And to be able to leverage that career, um, really build their social media, help them with more financial literacy and investing and to help them find opportunity. So um, that is a nonprofit. It's not a company, it's not a for-profit, it's a nonprofit. Um, and that's a very meaningful Thing to do it just to me, very similarly to the Flyers Alumni Association, which, as you know, Brad Marsh runs so beautifully, where there's education and there's opportunity and there's community, and, and they're still really connected to the community and the team. And these are meaningful, you know, uh, teams play together and, and they're like a band of brothers. And I think that they're able to help each other. Even once they're not playing,
1: so a lot of a lot of those, lot of those just,
0: people too that are, that that go through those. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Ice Guardians documentary.
2: I I'm familiar.
0: Yeah, that's like one of my favorites. Um, but it explains that that whole thing of of you know they're here and now their role is being kind of kind of. Well, this, this year is a little bit different. Um, there's a lot of physical altercations happening already this year. But uh, in the past, uh, you know, that, that role was being taken out of hockey, and those guys kind of didn't know what to do. Right. They, uh, they, they feel like they couldn't get into the normal life of living without, say, like their team or their routine of, of what they were doing on the team. And now they're kind of pushed into society and kind of like, okay, like you know, take care of yourself, you know, goodbye.
2: Right. Well, you know, it's funny, um, a, a, a pro football player, a retired pro football player said said it this way. He said, you know, you start playing football as a kid and you've got your coaches and they tell you where to be and what to do. And you got your parents and you got a doctor or a trainer. And you from a very young age, when you start going heading toward a pro football career, you know, then through you know, high school, college, you've got this team around you in addition to the team you're playing with. And then you you hit the pros and you've got doctors and trainers and you've got agents and you've got lawyers. You've got this huge structure around you. And then you've got your team. And but the day you're done, the day they let you go, you go to your locker by yourself. With a trash bag and you empty it out and you walk away that day all by yourself right okay and their whole life has been predicated upon a true team and so uh that is a mind bleep okay and it is really tough because all of a sudden you don't have your team you don't have your agent You don't have someone telling you where to go, what to do, what to be, when to sleep, nothing. And you have to figure it all out all of a sudden. All of a sudden, you have to figure out everything, you know, new health insurance or, you know, although the leagues now take care of it and, you know, they've got alumni packages and trainings. And it it has changed a lot over the last bunch of years where the leagues are doing far more, the league alumni associations, to put in all kinds of services for job and career and financial you know, uh, opportunities and, and learning and education. But I think that this was very important. It just didn't exist as it does today for a long time, but there's still more that they can do, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree completely.
1: Anthony, yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was absolutely right. I mean, like you said, these guys, these athletes, they got a team around them from middle school if they know they're going pro and then the next and then when they're done it's over. It's just I can't imagine the drop off from one day you're everything, the next day it's what do I do now? But it's funny, you mentioned the alumni association with the Flyers and you know, you have former players in hockey that are on different podcasts now, all over there's one former Flyer, I'm not going to mention his name, just unless you want me to, uh, doing a podcast show now, but he mentioned maybe the Flyers Alumni Association isn't so close with the team now. I believe he said it's almost like a business, business type of thing going on with Comcast and the Alumni Association. I don't know what you know about it, if it's true at all. I just from the flyers always being so close in a family type atmosphere, like you said earlier in this program, the concession stands, families would run the place. And now it's like, I really hope that's not being disconnected from the team to the alumni associations and down, you know, down the line.
2: Yeah, I, I hear you. And I think that, um, I think essentially, you know, when my dad died and, and the ownership structure changed, you know, sure, there was a transition, you know, and transitions take time. They, they don't happen overnight. And you have certainly a, a large corporate entity um, in Comcast that is now, you know, the managing entity for the flyers. And, but look, what people don't realize is Comcast, they're a hometown company. And you know, this is a family built business the Roberts family they're as Philadelphia as, as all of us and and they're Flyers fans they love the Flyers so I get upset when I hear Brian or Comcast get bashed because they love they love the team not even a question and um, and their family has been close with our family and and we know how they feel. And that's why that was such a great partnership while my dad was alive. And so we've had some bumps in the road and that transitions are like that. And and they do take years. And they had to, you know, work through, you know, iron out these bumps in the road and and, and that's where we've been. But I think they, they got, an unfair rap, really, because there's nothing about them that was like, ah, this is just about the money. However, the Flyers are a business, you know, you do have to look every year, you know, my dad did or or we did, what's working, what's not, how do you make your business more efficient? I mean, everybody does that. And then you had the pandemic years, brutal for sports. Okay, they lost, fortunes. And to come out of that, it was like every other business coming out of the pandemic, you know, they had to make tough, tough decisions. Um, The team, you know, no team, no, no sports team has unlimited resources. I mean, you got salaries, you know, there, there were no games, there was no advertising revenue. I mean, there was no revenue. So they had to make decisions coming back post pandemic. And I feel that people just needed to be a little patient because look what look what every business was facing, not just the flyers. And sometimes you make really tough calls or tough decisions to keep that business healthy and viable. And so, but the one thing I, I will reiterate that the Roberts family loves the Flyers, always has, and they're Philly people. You know, they built their business from nothing, just like my dad did. And I have high respect for them. And, and Brian, as a great business person, has entrusted people to manage these businesses and to, and, and to run them. And, um, you know, my father was still alive when Dave Scott came to work for the Flyers. Had incredible faith in Dave. Um, and Dave also loves the team and gets a bad rap. (laughs) He does, and he's passionate for the Flyers, but listen, think what he was up against, you know? I mean, you know, hey, Jesse, if your next-door neighbor came over to take over your podcast, everyone's going to complain and bitch a moan and say, (laughs) he stinks at this. He's terrible. He doesn't care, you know? But, you know, if your neighbor was taking over your podcast, it was going to take them a while to connect um, and and to be you. You know, right. neighbor could never be you. So I think. You know. It doesn't mean just because there's different ownership, it doesn't mean the passion is not there because it is there. Um, and I. I. Um, I think it's been it's been a hard road, but I, I see what's turning around. Not just how this team is playing and how they will continue to play, but culturally, that um, these bumps caused sort of a rift that I think is in the process of of healing, which is really good ultimately for the team itself, the actual players. You know,
0: I have. Uh since we're, we're in that talk we're, we're in we're in the talks of the uh, basically the culture of the team right. so what i would love to ask your opinion on what it what it is exactly with the culture that needs to change for for this team for this organization right now
2: um well first of all i would say that the culture of the whole city's got to
0: change. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> And,
2: you know, you guys, like, everyone out there, everyone in the Twitterverse, they don't realize, like, the stuff people are doing bashing the team, you know who's getting hurt the most? Them. The players themselves.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay? You can't mess with psychology, right? And if the whole city is just bashing the heck out of these guys, you think they're not reading it and seeing it and feeling lousy? we're not helping them win, right? And so it's not just the culture down at the building, it's the city culture that, yeah, things change. My dad's not there, but the passion's there. Our family is passionate and wants to be the biggest cheerleaders out there. You know, maybe there are certain things we would have done a little differently at different times, um but it's a learning thing it's a learning curve and i think that the organization sees that legacy is important you see that big installation they just put in in the arena the oh my gosh the memorabilia yeah well it got taken down a little while ago the club
1: box
2: oh incredible and everyone's like oh they removed everything of the history the culture it's gone there's not one photo of ed snyder in the building and well, they put it away while they were redoing all that stuff. those see what they put in there, and it's it's incredible. And their recognition that legacy is important, um, you can see it in things like that that they're doing. You can see their increasing connection with Snyder Hockey. I think to your earlier point about the alumni, um, the increased involvement, you know, together, um, it has, uh, you know. These things are recognized and uh, valued by the organization. Mm -hmm. But I think post-pandemic, reconstruction in the building, you know, sort of what looked like an erasure of history and legacy was really just the real story was, hey, we put this away to keep it safe. Well, we we did construction. Here it is. and, And it's beautifully done. So make sure you check that out. Take your dollars down. I'll
0: be all over it.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's really nice. Um, it's beautiful, and so they're thinking they're thinking about these things. But I think no, you know the fans in Philly are the greatest because they really know the game. They know the game, and and they've been around. They've this is the most loyal fan base in the entire United States, and you can't mess with our fans. You can't fool our fans. They know the game and you can't not communicate with them. So I think that one of the biggest culture changes initially was the way communication was happening. Not giving enough information to the fans so that they had an expectation, knew it was coming, could weigh in, talk about it, think about it, instead of just getting hit over the head with some sudden Announcement that nobody was expecting. So I think that that's a learned a learning thing. You know, I think my dad's style was like he talked to everybody, talked to all the press. They were good buddies. Everybody talked to everybody, and um, you know, the p- people have come in and who have come in from a larger corporate culture. That's not the way things are conducted there, and so that's a learning curve for them too. And they're, they're seeing that sort of that more typical corporate culture and way of communicating doesn't work on a more granular level, like with our fans. That our fans want to be able to touch and feel this team and, and feel who they are and what they represent and what they care about. And so the work is for them to be out there talking more to everybody. And I think that's what they're working on. I think they know that I do.
0: I mean, I mean the, the culture that your father brought was so impactful for every, every former player, every current player that I talk to says the same thing of how great he was and just how, you know, his presence was just such a joy to be around. And, you know, it for, for it to go from that, to kind of what it is now. I that's what I kind of feel for for everybody that's that's kind of I guess you would say talking smack all the time. But at the same time, I I mean I don't I'm I'm on the same side that you're on. I I I refuse. And Anthony knows Anthony's on on the podcast. I'm the only one that's optimistic all the time. Like no 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 man come on like it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And Twitter is so vicious. Yeah, and, and it's so bad because you have access to the players almost like you're literally right. on this press and right. they do see it like players like Cam Atkinson, he'll, he'll engage you and yeah, yeah. they'll engage you and they'll fire back. So, I mean, well, I
2: went, I went on a bit of a campaign for two days, as you know, where you and I connected, um, where I smacked Chris Terry and I smacked Bundy. I said, stop that. You know? Yeah. But you know what? He gets mad, but you know what? Anger is passion, boy. Anger yeah. is is the flip side of love. You know, so when I see this anger out there, I'm happy. You know, it means people really give a shit. I'm sorry for my bad language, but
0: oh, we're an explicit, explicit yeah. content podcaster, but, okay.
2: But <laughs> I'm saying that's love. And and the main thing is that the team from a corporate perspective they're really really starting to understand that and see that you know and that this anger you don't duck that you, you you head right into it and that's why i engaged with so many people during that little twitter storm um and it was great and for other people or things i didn't say publicly i was dming with, with people just hundreds and half the time it was just the fact that they heard they were heard they they were shocked i responded and pleased, and, and we got into these really great dialogues, and um, our fans need to be heard all the time because they're smart, and I think that's something my dad knew and understood and respected. He respected our fans, and they respected him, but he respected them back equally, and, and he wanted to hear what they had to say, and I worked for the organization most of my career, and I worked in every single job just about you could think of. I mean, I worked in ticketing and I worked in sales and I worked in marketing and I worked in PR, but, you know, to the point where later, you know, it was new business and getting involved in the building of the arena. But the the main thing I loved the most was direct contact with, with our fans. You know, they, they are family too, a hundred percent. And, and you know, the, the feedback, from the fans is more valuable than anything. It's more valuable than some, you know, strategic, you know, plan from some outside, you know, you really want to know the heartbeat of your organization. It's the fans, a hundred percent. And, you know, this is a learning curve, you know, for this new management. And they're listening, you know, but, you know, they're still on that learning curve. They're, They're not here yet. You know, they're, they're still, learning and but like I say it hurts the players themselves you know to to see this stuff and I'm like hey we're, we're Philly we're Philly right we've been an underdog you know and the team right now is an underdog but Philly itself is an underdog amongst these fancy schmancy East Coast cities you know we're the same the Flyers and the Philadelphia fans are the same that's why we've always been so joined because I think the team sees themselves as Philadelphians see themselves and vice versa. And you know what? It's okay to be the underdog, but we got to be on the journey with them. You know, the fans with them, not smacking them off their, their, their game.
1: Uh, you, you mentioned the fan base in Philly and obviously, like you said, the, the passion and the anger, that's great. Cause we all care about the teams, you know, you got yeah. the the Phillies are going to the World Series. The Eagles are undefeated. Sixers are kind of tough right now. Obviously you were around 2010 the last time the Flyers made it to the Stanley Cup finals just what would that kind of presence for the Flyers bring to the city like bring hockey back to that respectable manner where it's like hey, yeah, it's a Tuesday in November but the Wells Fargo Center is packed even though it's Seattle coming to town or something like that. Like just yeah. talk about how the hockey when they're back would be so thriving in that city.
2: Oh, my God. It, first of all, it would be unbelievable. I think that, OK, I'll be a little prejudiced here and say I don't care what other pro team has won anything in this city. I think the whole city has been feeling very bruised <laughs> that the Flyers haven't been to you know, a cup playoff since since that time. I, I think I really think of, of the Flyers as Philly's team in a way okay, look, the Eagles are, the they're all, we have great teams. They're amazing. But the Flyers had with the city a, a little bit of a love affair. Um You know, and so the, the fans have been rightly darn disappointed uh, over quite a period of time, but no more disappointed than us as an organization. I, I mean, my dad, you know, told me, the day he died, you know, the last thing he was caring about was watching a game okay and um and no one's more disappointed than the team themselves but look it's what they're striving for is is to be a winner and they're going to make the right moves and we're we're rebuilding okay we've been here before and there's no sense in shying away from the fact that this is an organization in the process we're building. and, you know, Hey, if you've got, you know, uh, your own company, you know, or, uh, let's say a family member that, you know, had an accident and they, and they're, they're relearning some skill. Um, you support them, you know, you support people when they're down. And I think Philadelphians were never just fair weather fans. Uh, they've rode, rode through really tough times and really stuck with us. And it's one of the reasons that every other team loves playing in Philly, because there's no greater fan base. Even when we would be the worst team in the league. And we've been there before where we were just awful. You know, I was responsible for filling seats when we had the worst record. And you know what? The thing about our fans is they love coming anyway because you know what you were gonna get on that ice was like a lot of heart. We might not have won that game, but boy, they gave it all, all. And that's the thing we have to be able to inspire these guys, the current team to do is give their all and not not feel defeated before they ever step out on that ice. And, you know, that's that's what hurts me is that we're hurting, we're hurting these guys, you know? So I mean, we can criticize management, but who's really hearing that criticism? Is those guys stepping out on the ice and you know playing their hearts out?
0: So, you're, so you're still you're you're honed in on on the Flyers' current you know team right now.
2: We're gonna we're gonna be a very good
0: team. I I agree with you. I, I love. I was gonna say earlier. I I love the team. Yeah. This guy up here. I don't know. Uh, my yeah. other co- my other co-host uh wade he's in the crowd somewhere he, he, he'll be chiming in at some point um i love it because that's the hockey that i grew up with you know the my, my favorite players you know obviously goal scorers are the greatest but you know my father is a roofer you know he was on the roofs in the winter time and the and, and the the ones that resemble my father are the enforcers yeah you know, they're the guys that put their entire lives out on the ice yeah. they're the ones that protect the players Yep. Uh, like the Dave samankos and the Martin McSorley's that protected well, Wayne uh, Gretzky back, at you know, when he, when he was the great one, I, I believe thoroughly that this team has very much potential to make a huge splash because it has exactly what it needs.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah. I, and what is, what is your, your opinion on, on the current, the current team right now? You said that, that you think that they, they can make a splash. I mean, you, you think that, Not obviously not now, but I mean, it's going to be a very good season, I think. I'll say it. But I
2: would basically concur with you exactly what you just said. And, you know, look, also again, I mean, we've been in a rebuilding phase before. And, you know, look, every single team of every single sport, of every single league, you never have a team that's on this constant trajectory up or this way you know they ebb and they flow uh, this is a natural progression it's a natural ebb and flow you know you got players that get injured or you got players that age out and you know no matter how great your team is at some point some of these guys are going to age out and you got to start rebuilding with young young talent i mean that's that's life you know i mean there's some guys that get injured and and have to leave before their time and and, and sometimes they're so pivotal that it's hard to replace them. But hey, it happens. I mean, these are human beings, they get injured, they age, and and, and you know, now you're rebuilding, and that's that's just where we are. It's just a normal process, you know.
1: Well, but first off, Jeffy, I, I said I'll take the meathead hockey this year, okay. Um, I get it, they're rebuilding. I'll see the fights and cheer for the fights. That's great, but I want to see some talent next season. Well, Lindy, let me ask you this, because you're talking about rebuilding and the players and the ebbs and flows. June 23rd, 2011, one of the days I'm always going to hate in Flyers history. Carter, Richards, both gone that day to bring in Brizgalov. This is a fan of me asking this. Do you feel like that trade maybe set the team back a little bit because it's like you ripped away a 45-goal score in Jeff Carter, than a heart and soul kind of player in Mike Richards to bring in a goalie who wasn't the most passionate when it comes to hockey.
2: Well, he turned out to be a bit of a disappointment. There's, there's no question about that, but the potential, his potential, I, this is a guy that just sort of didn't live up to his potential when, when he joined our team. Um, But every everything pointed to something that would have been spectacular. Um, And I think that Carter and Richards, um, there was some, there was some cultural problems on on the team itself. um, That made that decision more than just about the trade, but about the culture of the actual team itself. So they that was a very difficult decision for the team to make because of their talent. And so it had nothing to do with their talent as to why they were traded. It had to do with the team culture. And I would tell you, I remember that well, and it was a really difficult decision because you don't want to give away talent, but sometimes you've uh, you've got philosophical issues that actually supersede talent and you actually have to do something you don't really want to do to save the rest of the team. It's, it was complicated.
0: You know, it was uh, complicated.
1: <laughs> no, I, I get, I get the point she's making, you know, it's yeah, it is what it is. It's tough.
0: Like the Giroux situation that just happened that, that, that will never, that is like your, your, Richard's situation, people will not let that go. That that will not be let go for a very, very, very long time.
2: No, I understand that. And sometimes, you know, the decisions aren't simply about talent. You know, there's so many factors. Look, think about what makes a team. Have you guys played on any teams growing up?
0: I played briefly. I played briefly. Not competitive, though.
2: Right. But, Didn't you ever have a really talented guy on a team that was just a jerk? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, you're weighing that in pro sports too. And, you know, you gotta weigh, and by the way, I'm not saying anything about Giroux in this, please. He's not a jerk. Um, I'm talking about the decision-making is not based purely always just on talent. You know, sometimes you get a bunch of really talented guys together that don't get along, right? I mean, you have to have that perfect blend. You know, it's a perfect blend, a perfect grouping or pairing, and you could have this raw talent where you know, but they're like oil and water. So you got you got to balance all these different things.
0: Yeah, I mean, it 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 wasn't none of them were good decisions. I mean, not 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 good decisions, but easy decisions at all. Right. I mean, the the Giroud thing is is going to haunt people for, I mean. I don't even want to say haunt. Just a lot of people still don't understand it. I, right. I understand it. I, I get it. But uh, the Richards thing, I totally get that. Um, it's a. It, it is a. It is a business at the same time. Like you know, you can't can't let certain things get in the way of cer- other certain things. So, um, yeah. I I on, on a lighter note, I, I didn't like the Braden Shen trade. Just yeah. saying that was that right. was a big thing for me. I was just getting ready to buy his jersey and pff, oh going. Oh. Yeah. Very
2: upset about that. Very upset about that. Yeah, that's sad. No, but yeah, I mean, look, and sometimes there are things going on, you know, behind the scenes that you know, maybe private to an individual player. I mean, he's a human being and a person first, and so sometimes uh, you're not going to talk about whatever maybe personal issues they're having. And, and so the whole public looks at it like, you made this jerky trade for no reason. And, and there may be a story behind that. Look, with lots of players, and you know, all there's lots of incomprehensible trades in all of sport because first and foremost, these players are human beings. And so there may be a story behind the story that the team is protecting their their privacy.
0: I agree with that completely. I see yeah, yeah,
2: and 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 then what's frustrating to the fans is they don't know that, but they can't know that because the team can't violate this human beings' privacy. You know.
0: I say that, Anthony. I say it all the time. That's why I don't go to post game. Um, yeah. I, I I can't ask them what it feels like to like if they got shut out. I can't ask them what it feels like that what's it what did it feel like to get shut out tonight? I can't do that. I, yeah. I feel so bad. Like, of course, it feels great. It feels great to be beaten nine nothing. I, I can't do something like that. Human beings, well, being, when it's against, being you know, a I rhymer. Be
2: like, all right, what's your game plan for the next one? You know, like, who do you feel like smashing right now?
0: Oh, the, I, think 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 with, I think with Tortorella, I think with Tortoro, I think I could probably get away with some of those questions. <laughs> you, <laughs> you probably, can, probably like you. could. Yeah, but right. I
2: think they'd like more interesting questions, you know.
0: Or he'd kick me out and tell me that I'm an idiot. And that would be the end of it. And I'd be done.
2: Just yell back. At him. No, I don't think so. I, I think he's he's a very uh, transparent guy. And, and I, I like his attitude, basically. You know, I mean, here's the deal. You know, some days you're going to have a great product on the ice. And some days you're not going to have a great product on the ice. But we're the flyers. It's always going to be great in one way or another. Okay, and to me, the value of going to a game, regardless of our record in that given month or week or whatever, I've never not had an unbelievable time at a game. Yeah, I might be disappointed with the outcome, but I had a rip-roaring good time at every game I've ever been to. You know, now I bring my kids. There's never a game they didn't like, even if we lost. Although my youngest would cry, you know, for a while. (laughs) He got over that. But you know, I mean, there's going to be an unbelievable time to be had watching that game and watching them play. And I think people come to this team, players, and they still they're like, "Oh my God, I'm a Flyer." You know, that's that's the gold. You know, and and I want to say to Philadelphia, you know, and they're ours. Like, what more could you want? Okay, some more wins, but. <laughs>
0: i I, nope, I think you're gonna see a little bit more of that this year to be honest with you i mean we just beat the lightning i mean yeah
2: yeah yeah a lot yeah, of people i'm with you
0: no one wants to no one wants the, i i think i was i was and I, I i love going with people on on social media i don't you know i yeah. i just can't let it go i think and that's kind of a big issue but um mm-hmm. i was talking to someone the other day and they said you know how bad the team's gonna be and you know, then, then we won the first game. Then we won the second game. And then we beat the Lightning. I'm like, so you really don't have any any land to stand on at this point. We just beat the former Stanley Cup champion. So, and yeah. then it was silent. But, yeah, I mean, the team. Well, you
2: know it. what? It's like, you know, awe and surprise me, you know. So, that's good, you know. You know, better than expected. So, you know, now the fans have got to, like, pump it up, you know.
1: I think if they can show us the fans just okay, something to look forward to after this year, you know, whether it's a, a young kid putting up close to 30 goals we didn't expect or Carter Hart really starting to, you know, get razor sharp with his game and develop into that goalie that we hope he can be. I mean, like I said earlier, you get the Phillies going to the World Series, you got the Eagles doing great. We just, I think, just give us something to look forward to after this season. And I think you'll get a lot more buy in from the fan base in Philly. Do I mean? think
2: do, but I think that you know, I think they're pleasantly surprised by the start of the season. Um, so I think that you know you can only build on that. You can only build on that, and certainly, you know, you can only build on on the on your worst year or, or last year. Um, but look to me, you know, part of being like a true fan is being a believer. It's just, you know, like when your kids are, you know, when they stink at math, what do you do, give up on them? You know, no, you stink at math, <laughs> forget it. Don't try anymore, <laughs> just just fail. You know, no, you, you keep encouraging, you keep working at it, you keep looking for new strategies um, and ways to, to win. You know, and you you gotta know the organization is doing that. You know, that what do you think? They don't wanna win, they don't wanna be the best, they don't wanna get to a place where, you know, the fans and the city believe in them. You know what I mean? They got the same goals. They've got the same goals as we do, as you do.
0: I didn't I didn't realize we had like ten comments, but you know, they're all not they're not relevant anymore. It's like fifteen minutes.
2: <laughs> anything rude yet?
0: No, well, no, just a lot of people agree with what you're saying I mean and I think I think it a lot of people are watching this right now a lot of people are watching it on Twitter. Um, you know I think for someone to come forward that has heavy say and has seen the the team when the culture was great to come forward and say a lot of the things that you were you've been saying I think a lot of people will probably kind of jump back on board here and I, I think they, they need to get the fans back. And uh, a lot of the comments in here say people believe in the team. They agree with what you're saying. They love the new coach. You know, I I do believe that the culture is coming back. Yeah. So. uh, You
2: know what? We may have to start a whole new little fan club down there and just get it together. Because, look, I saw you know what? Like I said, the anger that I see sometimes on Twitter, I look at that and I go, I love that. Get mad. It means you love, it means you love them, you know, and, um, that's passion. I respect it. And, and people get mad and the comments they've made are so insightful. People have talked to me on Twitter and and I'm so in awe of how knowledgeable our fan base is. And, and I love that they have a high expectation and they have a goal, but That does not mean the organization doesn't share that, share that exactly. And they may not be executing obviously or in an obvious way that tells the fans that they share the goals, you know, that we're just saying things get messed up and not saying uh, win or lose, I will bleed orange and black. I love you, Pam. That is such a great comment.
0: Pam is a very, very avid She she definitely believes orange and black for sure.
2: Well, tweet me so I can meet you at a game one time. That would be fun.
0: There you go. Um, I have one big now. I don't. I don't always believe what I hear on Twitter, but I did. There was a little bit of a rumor that was floating around that you may. Is it true that you may, in fact, try to buy the Flyers?
2: a lot of people have asked me that well it really only depends if they want to sell you never know they may not want to I to i always want to be i always want to be involved you know i'm i'm always a fan and you know i want to do whatever i can for the organization to help them because look it's part of my life it's like in my blood um Not only did I grow up there, like I said, I worked most of my career there. I worked with my dad and with my brother. And, you know, it's a part of me. And, you know, it actually, it feels very personal to me still. So, and it's always going to feel personal. Ah, you are so sweet, Pam. Look, I mean, I'm putting my hands in, I guess, in some way to just um, connect you guys back with the organization because I think, like I said, we've all got the same goals, always have. I think what was unique with my dad is he was so, his heart was on his sleeve too. You could always see how he felt. It was not, it was very authentic and he lived and breathed the team and everything they did. And as kids, um, if you wanted to ask for a raise in your allowance, we knew we had to ask after a win. You wow. know. I mean, right. it was not good in our house when we lost. I mean, really, it, it mattered to our life every day. There was like an up and down with that. So I, I get, I get our fans. I get them.
0: For the so most fun. part, I, I love them all. I mean, but sometimes it gets a little much. I mean, you know, at least, but at least we're, some fan bases are, are a little way over the top. Um, I would love for you to actually kind of switching gears a little bit talk about your your skin uh, company as well
2: oh so while I was working what do you want
0: to do if not I mean that's up to you
2: yeah that's okay I'll be brief while I was working at the arena while I was still working for the organization I do you guys remember Lauren Hart had cancer yeah okay Lauren and I are very very close she's like my sister and um, we grew up together you know her dad she was there at every game too but Lauren and another girlfriend of mine, Nina, at the same time had cancer. Uh, Lauren had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and my other girlfriend had breast cancer. And interestingly, they were both on treatment at the same time. One was having chemo, one radiation, and they were both having amazing skin problems from those treatments. And it was incredible. I mean, as their friend, I'm like, what 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 what, didn't your doctor give you anything And, and essentially there was nothing nothing was made for people with side effects to the skin from cancer treatment and i became sort of obsessed about it because here we are there's a million products to make you look like young or there's baby products for the skin there's for diabetics and like almost almost 50% of Americans will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. And yet there was nothing for the people. And I became obsessed that there had to be. And um, and set about to put together a team of doctors and figure out how do we solve this problem. And that's why I started the company. I was inspired by by Lauren and my friend Nina and seeing what they were going through. and knowing that there was no, there never was a skincare brand made for cancer patients. Um, And that's what we do. And it's to help people as they're going through it. And about, I don't know, five or six years into it, I got cancer. Um, so you know what I mean? I know what it's like. I, I can, I've been there and you get in that headspace and you know that you need to give people tools to give them their power back to help them get through that journey. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And, and one of the reasons I got into cannabis business is watching patients, you know, have the kind of pain they had. My father uh, was in a lot of pain and and sometimes traditional medicines just just don't do it. And I thought that cannabis is more affordable. A lot of people don't have insurance and that people need accessible and affordable um, medicines. And and I think cannabis in different formats really provides that too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, just from, from all the things that we've talked about, um, even now the people coming in now, Pam has come back in with, with this comment.
2: Oh, that's amazing. Oh my Uh, gosh, Pam, you're just a baby. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome
0: you know, I th- I think you need to put, I think you need to put your hand in the, in the, in the bag a little bit more for the, you know, maybe buying the team. Just saying, I mean,
1: Hi. Hey,
2: they, you know, you never know, you never know, but you know what? First and foremost, you know, I love them. I'm a fan and I'm going to stay a fan and, and just be a part of it in the way that I can be, you know, and look, I love the fact that I've got these amazing relationships with the alumni and and, and the organization. I mean, uh, I've had the great opportunity to talk with lots of people in the organization many times. And I think this, this is a passionate group, everyone in, in, in sales and, but in marketing, these guys are, they, they care desperately, they really do. And I think it's hard on them sometimes when they read in the paper, ah, oh, you know, they don't care, you know, that hurts them. They do care a lot. So it's very nice for you to have me on here.
0: Oh my God! Thank you, thank you so much for coming on. I I have one last thing for Pam. I she's saying this to you. Uh, oh,
2: okay. oh that is so sweet. How are you doing, Pam? Are you okay? I know she can't answer me live, but
0: uh, sugar, it'll be it'll be a lot quicker than you think. <laughs> um. Thank you so much for coming on. This was this was everything that you know I wanted it to be. Um, I don't want this to be the last time that obviously we talk. Okay. Um, Pam says she's great.
2: To Pam, I'm so glad.
0: Um yeah, I mean, hopefully we we get this this culture flipped around a little bit. Uh that I think it's on the right uh, trajectory. Um hopefully we get you in there. You know, something something happens with that. Um
1: right. <laughs> I, th- I think
0: Was it was it Jim Watson that said Anthony that he thinks that uh,
1: I think it was
0: either You or a, a bunch of the Players need to get get yeah, to it was more Players need to get together And they need to put money Together to buy the team So it's yeah. a, either, either or is a good Good option for me I'm just saying um, yeah.
2: Well I'll tell you One thing let me just say I think once you're A flyer in any way shape or Form you're always a flyer Literally, whether you work there, whether you're family, whether you're alum, player, anything. And I look, I get it. I mean, um, but look, they're, they're doing a good job. And I will tell you, like I said, I want people to keep remembering the Roberts family. They're a Philly family. And they've been the biggest, they've been Flyers fans from day one, too. Truly. I mean, that, you know. They may not be out front and center, but they're they're big they're big fans. Their heart is in this, you know, for sure. Um, and I have a lot of respect, you know, for Brian and and Dave, and very much so. And I think that just give give this a little chance here. That's all. Little time, little patience. Although, you know, look, I'm not that patient. Nobody's patient to win, but a little bit, you know. Um. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Maybe Anthony agrees you. Who knows? I wish the rest of Flyers Alley would, have, or the the fan base will hear this. This is going to be all over the place. So I mean, they're going to listen to you. So I hopefully they pump the brakes a little bit. But like you said, the hate is passion, and you love it. I agree with you completely. Um, and like I said before, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you. if. Yeah, like I said, I would love love for this to not be the last time we talk. Um, maybe we can get the game.
2: All right. I'd love to come back. I think it's fun. I think you guys asked great questions. I enjoyed I think- it and I love I love your your passion um for it. I think it's awesome. And again, I love the fight scenes at the opening here. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll be back anytime you say I'll be back.
0: Awesome, I really appreciate that. And from uh, Jesse and Anthony and Flyers, Allen. Thank you, Lindy. I don't know, Anthony, you could be with us on Sunday. No,
1: uh, not this Sunday.
0: And why would you be? Um, <laughs> with that being said, we'll see you guys on Sunday, uh, at one thirty on here. And uh, with that being said, thank you so much again, Lindy, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye, bye, all. I want to give a special shout out to all of our sponsors here at Old Sea Sports Network. Sterling Pig Brewery, Neshamity Creek Brewing Company, Norse Beards, Lugaroo, Righteous Felon, Craft Jerky, Fanatics, Buffalo Bio Brewing Company, and Iceworks. All their links are in the description below. Thanks again.